0: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko
1: Tottenham Hotspur 3,
0: Manchester City 4 They have made the impossible possible Hello everybody and welcome back to the City Report podcast I am Amos Murphy I'm Adam Booker How was your weekend Adam? Football aside, how was your weekend?
1: It was good. It was uh, nice weather. Got outside a bit, um, only because I had Always to leave good. the house in anger on Saturday afternoon. But <laughs> once that calmed down, it was uh, it was a great weekend. How was your weekend?
0: It wasn't too bad. I couldn't just imagine on that, uh, sort of like a cartoon style Adam storming out of his house, shutting the door behind him, and sort of like a really sort of animated, angry, blurging out. Um, my my weekend was filled with similar emotions in fact I was uh I was uh, heading to London on on Saturday morning or at least planning to head to London on Saturday morning and then the, the trip was prematurely cut short or just cut in general because I uh, tested positive for COVID and even though the rules here in the UK say that if you are positive then you can do whatever you want there's no isolation anymore um I just wasn't really feeling too good, and it's my first rodeo with with Corona. I don't know if you've uh, you've managed to escape it for the last two years or so, but it's it wasn't nice. Thankfully, it, it, it was mild enough, and it was only two days or so of, of illness. But yeah, I can see why it's been it's been <laughs> quite the big talking point over the last two years.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm glad you're you're feeling better today. Uh, at least you look and sound better than when I last yeah. talked to you. Um, yeah. I have yet to test positive. I can't say whether or not I've had it or been asymptomatic or whatever. I've been sick a few times, and the the few times that I got tested, I was negative. Uh, So who knows? But um, I'm not actually one to, to like, storm out and slam the door. I just was – my girlfriend was in the other room studying, and – she mentioned something about wanting coffee and donuts. And I said, that sounds great. I would be, I would be glad (laughs) to leave and go buy you coffee and donuts right now. And then I got, just to the bottom of my fire escape and Jack Greeler scored and i just trudged back inside, sat down in a different seat than I was sitting in the first half and, and watched the rest of the game on mute. So <laughs> <laughs> Like a
0: like a dog with the tail between the legs. Yes. Doing as it's told. Get yeah. back in this room right now. Um yeah, we'll we'll jump to that game and we'll relive the PTSD if If we can make it through. But um, what to expect from us today then? Well, like I said, we'll look back at the FA Cup semi-final. We'll reflect on this mammoth four-game period that we are now thankfully, or sort of maybe not so thankfully, out of. We will look ahead to what's next and and what fixtures lie um, on the road ahead. And then a little shout out for the women's team who had a, a very different FA Cup semi-final to their male counterpart. Like I said, if you can, subscribe and follow. That would be great for us. Leave a rating and a review if you're able to on whichever podcast platform you are listening along on. Give us a shout on Twitter if you don't follow us already. You can send any questions you'd like us to discuss football or otherwise if you've got any sort of upcoming dates you want us to pick an outfit for or give you some tips then you know we can always deviate away from the football if needed to and especially on the back of results like that I'm sure Adam and I wouldn't mind giving some uh, giving some date tips you got any 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 that spring to mind just off the top of your head
1: well I've been in a committed relationship for five years now and I dress like I'm homeless so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not the guy for that I uh, I haven't worn pants in half of the episodes we've recorded so <laughs>
0: Well, thankfully, this isn't on YouTube, isn't it? So, uh, so it's just audio format for now, which is superb. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've also been in a committed relationship, so I actually say we can give dating tips. Clearly, clearly worked, but I'm not too sure how we'd, uh, how we'd offer any any support from here on in. Um, enough of that nonsense. Then let's get into football, and obviously starting off with the men's semi-final against Liverpool. I think it's probably best for us to work from the result backwards with this one because a lot went on in between the lineups being announced and then the full-time whistle Liverpool three, Manchester City two. Liverpool progress to their first FA Cup final under Jurgen Klopp their first in 10 years and in the process they end City's treble hopes while also keeping alive their own quadruple hopes a lot to take in there a bitly disappointing result, obviously, but not really one for me anyway that came as a gigantic surprise, given the context of what had come in the immediate sort of vicinity beforehand. As always, then nothing too complex to start with. What were your main takeaways after that full time whistle?
1: Well, I mentioned that I was angry during the game, which it doesn't matter. The, you know the circumstances, or you know what what trophies on the line, or whether it's a, a preseason friendly. I'm still going to get worked up if City's mm. not playing well, or, or the score line is not the way I wanted to go. But I think when you look at the general context of the week or two leading up to it, it felt like almost a bit anticlimactic in the sense that yeah, yeah, the games leading up to this were so important and so mentally draining. Even just as supporters that we kind of got to this game thinking instead of like, oh, this is a really big game. It was more like, thank God the other games are in the rearview mirror now. Mm -hmm. Um, So within like 30 minutes of the full time time whistle, I I couldn't have cared less. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. it was quite clear that it was going to be a long day pretty early on in the game um you know liverpool came into the game with a rested full strength squad and and city who by the way only have 17 senior players in the squad uh were battered and bruised after madrid so had city's best starting 11 on full rest put on that first half display then i think there'd be a lot more finger pointing going on between the two of us at least um yeah but if you look at it more closely i mean City were without Ruben Diaz, Amerik Laporte, Kyle Walker, Ilkay Gundogan, and Kevin De Bruyne. Whether that's through pure exhaustion or injury, they weren't there or they were on the bench and probably had no no hope of coming on to try and rescue the game. You know, you take Virgil van Dyke, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joel Matip, Fabinho, and Thiago out of Liverpool, they'd also str- struggle to find rhythm and, and cohesion. So... You know, we saw it on full display midweek. You took all those guys out of their team and they conceded Mm -hmm. three to Benfica at Anfield. And that could have been five or six. So if you're walking away from that semifinal thinking we've learned anything new about this city team or learned anything new about specific players that have have suddenly become non-reliable cogs in the machine, I, I think it's a bit of an overreaction.
0: You spot on there, and I wanted to work my way backwards, just sort of probably from a from my own mental health, and and methodically work it, uh, our way through it. But mm-hmm. you're absolutely spot on. I think I mentioned to a couple of people, including yourselves, that after the game, and it was probably about half an hour, an hour afterwards, the only thing that was keeping me hung up on that on that performance and that result was the fact that it kept Liverpool's quadruple hopes alive, and that sounds incredibly bitter but I I think if it had been the shoe on the other foot and, and Liverpool supporters had had been you know they'd, they'd lost to City and City could then go on to win four trophies in the season they'd feel exactly the same you know City and Liverpool are going head to head and City at the moment have the superior uh, uh, tally of trophies in the last sort of decade or so but that could easily flip given a you know a couple of bad seasons a couple of good seasons elsewhere um Obviously, it was a it was a really good second-half performance from City. They, they restricted the Liverpool machine um, from what had been doing damage beforehand. A couple of half chances for the visitors, but that was pretty much it. However, the damage really was done with that first-half performance or implosion, depending on, on your persuasion, really. Jurgen Klopp labelled it as his side's best ever performance in that first half that, that opening 45 minutes which was a, a comment i sort of found a little bit guardiolian if i'm being honest sort of like buttering up the opposition when i don't actually think liverpool had to do that much to go up go in three three nil up at the break obviously a simple header from a set piece it happens liverpool are good at, at set pieces like you say city didn't have those sort of leaders in there and the defensive unit was a bit broken up okay you can see that set piece fair enough the Zach Stefan goal is where I think this tie, or sorry, the Mane goal from the Zach Stefan era, is where this tie really swings on its hinges, and that's the that's the turning point. That City's heads go down, the crowd gets up for Liverpool. They start playing some fantastic football, and obviously that that team goal on the brink of halftime, which you and I both play football. Granted, at a not a very good level, I think he maybe slices the volley a little bit. I don't know. I don't think when you're cutting across a ball like that you don't particularly aim for the near post. I don't know. Maybe I'm give, doing him a disservice there. But when I saw it back, I was like, he's trying to go the far post, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I don't know. Zach Stefan probably should have saved it. Who knows? It, it was a good finish. But clock um, called it Liverpool's best. I'm sure Pet will be thinking it was probably one of his first, uh, sorry, one of his worst first half performances in charge of City. Where are you falling on that spectrum then, Adam? Because it was a it was a pretty tough watch that first 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, I think City made it pretty easy for them, for them, for, for Liverpool to have one of their great ever Klopp performances. Um, I feel like I could go back through the years and pick 10 to 15 better Klopp performances. But like you said, maybe it's a bit, a bit of one of those pep tactics where he big ups his own team by making the opposition look better than they were on the day when, when, when they've won. Um, But I, you know, on the Zach Steffen thing, I, I, said this shortly after that that goal that money goal that that mistake was just kind of a perfect encapsulation of of the way that the team and the outfield was playing anyways yeah like there wasn't this this great city momentum that was killed by a goalkeeping howler Mm. it was it was on par with the way that the outfield players were playing which was terrible so Yes, that, that was such a, a mistake, and it probably took City out of the game, but it didn't feel like they were getting themselves back into the game leading up to that point. Um, but, and by the way, we're going to have to start keeping a running tally of how many times on this show I've said this. I have yet to see that third Mane goal. Never seen it, and probably <laughs> never will because I was watching, I was streaming the game, and yeah. Twitter was. 30 or 40 seconds ahead of me and the second that I saw I follow one of the one of the many um Merseyside based athletic uh correspondents and he tweeted three 0 Mane immediate power button on the remote gone yeah, yeah and then yeah. I went off to get the donuts and such so <laughs> um so I've yet to see that goal uh, I've heard it was a great goal and I'm very happy for them if it was a great goal but I probably yeah. never will see it either
0: yeah, at least if there was a, a murder or a crime in the Richmond area <laughs> on Saturday afternoon, you've got as strong an alibi as anyone could have hoped for, because there's no way anybody would make that up. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a bizarre. It, it really was an anomaly, and it was probably. Like I said, I reckon Pep probably thinks it's one of the first, the worst first-half performances. Maybe recency bias plays a part here, but I'm struggling to think of a worst first-half performance under Guardiola. The only one that springs to mind when I was doing the prep beforehand was Leicester away in the twenty six-seventeen 17 season, where City were also 3-0 down and, and really got tore apart by Jamie Vardy in particular, who just really enjoyed that space and behind City's defence. It wasn't like that on Saturday, though. There, there wasn't... There wasn't exactly like there were major flaws, and we'll come to the um, the team selection and the formation and whatnot a little bit. Uh, well, immediately, actually, it's it's the next thing on the list. But it wasn't like there was major there, there was a glaring error. It was just everyone felt like they were they were below par. And like you said, there the Stefan mistake wasn't just in isolation, like on the day. It felt like every single city player got caught in possession at one point. The difference being that was the goalkeeper and a yard behind him was the net. It happens, doesn't it? It, it really does happen. Um, let's talk about the formation and set up then because I don't know about you, but I didn't think there were any issues with the, the personnel. Those players were more than capable of, of maybe not winning. I think we'd, we, we want to make sure we're respectful to Liverpool here because they had close to a full-strength side. They are one of the best teams in Europe. Not saying that this team should have beaten Liverpool, but they definitely should have competed better than they did. Um going back to the starting whistle then, Grealish started as the man through the middle, but it must have been about five minutes before that switch came. And and you sort of, even in the first minute, you felt, this isn't working already. So after that, there was this sort of like roulette wheel of of positional switches, and every time the ball went out of play, it felt like Maybe five players in that front half of the pitch were operating in somewhere else. I think maybe Fernandinho and the defenders were the only ones who didn't move about that day. It was just con- consistent rotation and rotation and rotation. Which, granted, we've come to see and, and you know it, it does work and it does help and it's not anything new for City. But it felt like it was almost there was an, a sort of a, an edge of desperation where previously it had been maybe tactical or it had been far out and pre-planned. This was a case of like. Okay, Bernardo, you go and try and play as a false nine, or Foden, you go and try and play against Trent Alexander Arnold, or, you know, Raheem Sterling, you switch into a bit of a. It it was just, it was all, it was all, it was very discombobulated, wasn't it? And I already know what your answer is going to be here, but do you think there are any issues with the starting 11 pre match, or was it just a horrific 45 minutes, which happen every now and again?
1: I don't think there's many issues personnel wise, like you said, down to a man every single one of those players is a great player themselves. Um, I think maybe there's a discussion to be had about Fernandinho and his um, energy levels, especially mm. in a high-intensity game against Liverpool at Wembley, a cup semifinal. That that game's already going to be a higher intensity than really any other occasion. Um, and we've seen kind of countless times, unfortunately, this season that he's not really – his legs aren't up to it. Yeah. Um, but there is enough – individual quality in that city starting 11 to cause uh to cause Liverpool issues I mean Gabriel Jesus caused them a ton of issues at the game at the Etihad last weekend Raheem Sterling did the same um so I think my my issue with it is the fact that it's just um putting out whoever is ready to play will play there's not a lot of cohesion to it I think we saw that the, the, the back four of Cancelo, Stones, Ake, and Zinchenko had never started a game together, and they'd only played a total of like 63 yeah. minutes or something like that together ever. So when you come up against a team like Liverpool who are playing their full strength 11 with you know a, a week of rest in their legs, they're well-disciplined, they're well-drilled, they're, they're high energy. And when you have a, a team that like City's 11 where they may take them 10 to 15 minutes to kind of get used to each other in a sense and just kind of mm. get, get some sort of cohesion amongst them and a bit of rhythm amongst them. That 15 minutes against a team like Liverpool, they're going to pile the pressure on and you're out of a game in, in 10 or 15 minutes. So that that was my thing was was there was an, an immense level of talent on the pitch for City, but there has to be a bit of cohesion and when you kind of have a makeshift eleven of just whoever has the legs to play, then you're going to lack cohesion.
0: Yeah, I think you know we don't want to point fingers or name names, and not that we we would have been able to, but there were people and you know established, well established, and perhaps even some journalists online, wasn't there on on Saturday going. Sort of trying to trying to make scapegoats in in the personnel and saying you know X Y Z isn't good enough for me that, that that's absolute nonsense that mm-hmm. that that starting eleven could have easily on another day have got a result there and like you say if for example Harvey Elliott was in midfield with Naby Keita and maybe Firmino was starting alongside, I don't know, Minamino, suddenly that game's a lot more even, isn't it? And suddenly the mistakes City were making also happened to Liverpool as well. It just so happened that the whenever the Champions League draw was three or four weeks ago, Liverpool got paired with Benfica, which was a favourable time. Manchester City got paired with Atletico Madrid, which was... You know, not the worst tie in the world. When you look at the configuration of how they fell out, City were away at the Wonder Metropolitano in the in the game leading up to this. Liverpool got to rest seven players at home against Benfica with an already sizable and what turned out to be winning advantage. Um, should we do a little bit of Fernandinho chat then, just whilst we're here, because we spoke on the the previous podcast we did after the Atletico game, where it felt like that was his perfect performance. And granted, it was only 10 minutes, but that's what he was there to do this season and he did it perfectly. This felt like uh, the complete opposite, really, didn't it? And my first tweet post-game was the fact that I said it felt like the changing of the guards for Fernandinho a little bit in the sense that, okay, granted, there's still a lot of football that he could play in between now and the end of the season. However, it felt like the... We really were on the decline. If we weren't already, this was where it started because it, he, he just looked a little bit lost and he looked like a little bit of a. He looked like an old man in a midfield against teenagers at times, didn't he? And that's not something you'd really associate him with. He's, his age hasn't been an issue for him at all and he's always been streetwise enough, whereas it felt like. He was just trying to start fights at times, wasn't he? And there's that tackle which eventually led to the yellow card, which I'm sure he just did to feel something because what had gone before was was that sort of painfully embarrassing for him on the football pitch. He goes sliding into attack with Mane, which at first I thought could be in trouble here mm-hmm. with more than a yellow card. Replay show that you know it was in a little bit more control than than it was. But he said that he's going to leave. He said that he wants to leave to play more football. Even in the Brazilian league, I'm not. I'm not so sure that there's a there's a, a, a sort of a long career left for him. Really, it, it was painful to watch at times, purely because we know how important and how treasured his legacy is at the club.
1: I think all of this needs to be slightly caveated by the fact that it was Liverpool. I think that if you're playing against this Liverpool team in particular, who have such energy in their legs and they press so high and and they just, the, the unrelenting uh, energy in the press, then the one position that's going to get found out is that, that Fernandinho Rodri role it, It's yeah. it's when you're a bit isolated in midfield. And we saw Bernardo Silva dropping back at times to uh, to help him out. But I think Bernardo Silva is another one of those guys that probably was kind of running on empty in that game.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, definitely. We know that
1: he is just kind of this guy. We think of him as this guy with an unlimited battery. um, But I think that that game in Madrid was a special game when it came to draining players batteries. Mm. Um, We've seen Fernandinho many times this year is not up to scratch to play 90 minutes. I don't know that he couldn't go play 90 minutes elsewhere. I, I think that the just intensity of this game and, and the Premier League in general is is just too much for him at this point um, but I I don't think I would say that he can't go elsewhere and, and play in Spain or I mean it, it, all the talk is is him going to Brazil but you know him playing in Portugal or, or, or Spain or something like that look at some of the players in midfield at, at Barcelona and Real Madrid look at their age and they're still they're still balling out but if you stuck Sergio Busquets in in this city midfield on on Saturday I think he he'd get the run around just like Fernandinho did. Um, so I I wouldn't say he can't go and play elsewhere but he definitely is is past it in this team that's for sure. And look, that that's no criticism to the to the man himself because he is absolutely a City legend and should go down as as another one of the greats of this modern City era. Um there's been you know just the fact that there has been debates online about whether or not he deserves a statue alongside guys like Vincent Company yeah. and David Silva that tells you everything you need to know about the way the fan base views him even if you're out there like me saying no he doesn't deserve a statue that's <laughs> not cuz he's not a great um, it, it's just yeah i th- that tells you everything right there that the guy is is a club legend and he should be remembered forever um, and he probably will be, but he's just slightly past it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm sure in the coming weeks and months, if he does decide to leave, which, like again, it increasingly looks like he will, be we'll no doubt have at least one, maybe a few episodes dedicated to him because he's been up there with the greats, like you say. I think the only thing that perhaps if you look at someone like Luka Modric at Real Madrid, or, or you know, a couple of other veteran midfielders in there. Fernandinho's always required on his legs to get about the pitch. That's been his game, hasn't it? And and when they go, they go. There's nothing really you can do about that. It's like a like a part of your engine in the car. If it goes, you need to replace it. And and it feels like that's the case with Fernandinho in City. Um we'll leave that alone then because we don't wanna we don't wanna tarnish his reputation any anymore and and you know, let's hope the last few weeks of his City career really do serve him justice because it felt like the last few legends that have have left, you know, I'm thinking about Aguero in the Champions League final, I'm thinking about others before that. Obviously company had his goal and that was as good as it could have got for him against Leicester, but there, there has been a sort of a little bit of uh disappointment when a couple have left and it's not been how we wanted it to be. So let's hope there is a there is a, a really good end to his city's career. Um Let's address the other two rather big elephants in the Zoom then, those being the goalkeeper selection and substitutions. We'll go substitutions first, because I think this can probably be summed up in two minutes, if not if not less. Um, once again, uh, very few substitutions. There were five available for City in the FA Cup, I believe. I think my memory serves me right. It was just the one, which was Mares late on, mm-hmm. which... So it came off the back of Jesus picking up a niggle. So there's every chance that it could have been another no sub 90 minutes for Guardiola and City. Pep said post-match that the squad was was patched up, which we all sort of knew and we all sort of believed anyway beforehand. And it was only really Mahrez and Rodri who were on the bench that were fit, that they were their outfield players. Gundogan was nursing a problem. Obviously, Ruben Diaz had recently come back from a long injury and that, I, I'm sorry, that was not the game that he should have been playing. I think perhaps maybe beforehand, I felt he could have got minutes, but on, on retrospect, absolutely not. Um, and along with a couple of other players, the criticism I suppose from some people and I don't know if I fall into this category possibly not but I can see why the the argument is being made is the fact that there were youngsters there who the well the argument is why bring them if they're not going to play do you think there was there was scope for more substitutions obviously Mares came on late and did really well sort of made a game of it in the sense and 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 the, the second goal came from his his really nice run down that right hand side or is it what we've said beforehand the the 11 players who started the game were good enough to, to get through it and it was just one of them things again that where if the if the substitutes aren't fit not going to be able to risk them
1: real quick just the on the starting 11 in general one point i wanted to make when we were when we were discussing it before is if that specific starting eleven was City's first team and that was their go to starting eleven and they played thirty odd games together each season, they'd still be a team challenging for trophies. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah. So I think definitely. that's that's one point I wanted to make was that you were talking about maybe some journalists, people online saying that there are individuals in that team that aren't good enough. I don't believe that at all. I think it was the the lack of cohesion and, and not having yeah. played together. As far as the substitutions, I'll address it in two parts, the part about the kids and the part about senior players. If you're looking at this, this city starting 11 and you recognize, as any smart person should, that it's a patched-up 11 and that there are players playing in that game because there are players like Kevin De Bruyne, Ilkay Gundogan, Kyle Walker with injuries, or Laporte, Rodri, uh, whoever it may be, Mahrez, that that need a rest after big games earlier in the week, then why you would expect Pep then to go and throw these guys on in the final minutes to force 30 minutes of extra time is really unreasonable. Like Mm -hmm. if Pep is looking at this saying, I need to leave these guys out because we've got bigger games on the horizon, Premier League games, Champions League semifinals – then don't expect him to throw throw them on in a very high intensity game trying to force another 30 minutes of football that's just not going to happen it's yeah. not fifa this is real yeah. life re, yeah. real human beings who have energy levels and have you have to worry about their health and and their fatigue and and injuries and it was completely unreasonable for the fan base to have this apocalyptic meltdown that Pep didn't go for it in the final minutes. Mm. I think we scored what the second goal in the the 90th minute, something like that. Yeah, 89. So
0: the board came up, didn't it, at the time as the goal was going in. So it was, it it could have easily finished 3 1. And there was only four minutes really where it felt like, oh, there was a game on here.
1: If it goes 3 2 at 80 minutes, maybe we see like one attacking substitution. I don't know who that would have been because I don't think De Bruyne was fit to come on. Um, maybe it's Rodri to try and regain a little bit of control in midfield, something like that. But I just, you just have to understand that they're human beings. That if Pep believes that he cannot play them because he, they need to get the rest back in their legs for next week and the week after. City are still going to be playing three games a week until mid-May. Like yeah. the, things aren't slowing down. The, the The level of opponent might be slowing down, but the. the fixture pileup is not slowing down so anybody who expected him to make three or four substitutions to try to try and change the game it was completely unreasonable
0: yeah i um th- there's a tweet from sam lee who is quickly becoming one of my favorite people on on the little blue uh bluebird app because he he said i think it was post game he said he said exactly the same you said there in the fact that no nobody w- those players who weren't fit to start the game why would anybody believe that they'd be fit to come on that you know they're there to make up the numbers and as, as harsh as it is you may want to stick a 17 year old on there but these players traveled together you know that that's just how it is um but he also said what would people have thought on Wednesday night, and we'll come to the Brighton preview shortly, what would people have thought on Wednesday night when they're going, oh, these players look a bit leggy, having just played 90 minutes against Liverpool, having just played 90 minutes against Atletico, having just played 90 minutes against Liverpool, and so on and so forth. It The, the rotation was out of necessity, not out of choice, and I don't think enough people recognise that pre-game. If Pep Guardiola... Really, 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 really wanted to play his first choice eleven. Which, by the way, shock, shock spoiler, every manager does in every single game. There, there are reason that that managers have bigger squads and City smaller than others, obviously. But there are there reason managers have squads of players is because not every player can play every game. If City could start the the ideal eleven, whatever that would be, every single match, Pep Guardiola would. But it's just not possible. You you have like you say fitness levels you can't just on like on FIFA or on Football Manager go you know what I'll clear that injury and we've all got a full strength Squad yet again. It's just not going to happen, and it 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 just so happened the rotation had to come in a FA Cup semi final against Liverpool. It was unlucky given the schedule, but we've addressed it. Liverpool got a rest in midweek. They could have easily, you know, had it had it been another day, conceded a few more to Benfica, and suddenly, you know, there's a crisis in Merseyside because Klopp rotated when they needed to win the game, and now they're at the Champions League. They're not. That's how football works. It, it is literally the luck of the draw. For this time round, it helped Liverpool. Look, we support a football club who have had plenty of favourable draws in the past. That's just how it goes. Um, Okay then, the second one, goalkeeper. I fear this probably may be a little more contentious. Blunt question to start off with. If you're in the dressing room, Wembley, about half one in the afternoon ahead of that game, do you put Edison's name down on the starting 11 list or do you put Zach Stephens?
1: I have always been somebody who believes that if your second keeper or your cup keeper, so to speak, takes you to a final or a semifinal, that they deserve to play it, and I will stick by that.
0: Okay. Now, after the game, do you stick by that now? Yeah, I, given, I still. What's happened?
1: I still stick by it. I, I won't come out here and say that Zach Stefan was. The better choice from a from a quality level or a composure level, or and even this specific game, you know, I, I'll credit the ninety three twenty guys that were having this discussion earlier in the week. That I think it was ASAN saying that that the the big thing about playing Liverpool specifically is their press and needing Ederson or somebody back there who is very good with the ball at their feet is really really yeah. important against Liverpool. So I think you're kind of throwing Zach Steffen to the wolves there, but I, 20 years from now, if you ask me the same question, I'll, I'll still have the same answer, that if your cupkeeper gets you all the way to the final or the semi-final, you continue to play him.
0: I'm incredibly split on this. Um, I really am. By, by nature, backup goalkeepers aren't meant to be good as their first choice counterparts, or, or they wouldn't be backup. That's like you know, it goes without saying. So, the idea that I've seen online and, and in other places that Zach Stefan coming in isn't as good as Edison. Well, yeah, duh. That's why he's the backup. If he was better than Edison, he'd be starting every week, and Edison would be the backup. You know, that, that's the first point that I just sort of had to get out there. Um, but to have an understudy as good as Zach Stefan is. Let's not forget this man is a fully fledged international footballer. He represents your nation and, and the, the the country you support. Every single time they have an international break, bar a few, I know there's another guy coming through who's who's pretty decent too. Um, for for sort of like for some people who who don't necessarily believe this, he is an experienced player. He's got plenty of minutes under his belt, and and you know some backup goalkeepers don't have that. A lot of backup goalkeepers are in their teens. Zach Stefan isn't. He's seen it all basically, and you know he he has been. He, he's been important for City. I think the, the first time that people really became accustomed to him was perhaps Stamford bridge away in the in the covid season where edison had covid and he had to come in and he did a fantastic job city kept a clean sheet against the chelsea team which at the time it was probably just about their their, the start of their demise but at the time had, had threatened and that that squad went on to win the champions league didn't it so he's been able to stand in for for edison where necessary and to be able to do that you have to give them the promise of matches and consequential minutes too you can't just have a backup goalkeeper at the quality zach stefan is and he doesn't play that's just you know like you say it's not it's not fifa career mode you can't just buy these players and expect them to stay there because you're paying big money surprisingly it'll come as a shock to some footballers want to play however Without sounding like I'm doing my best, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer impression here, this is Liverpool, and this was like you, you mentioned the intensity of the game. We all knew how intense it was in the in the home game. And for me, I actually thought this one was, was destined to be more intense given the fact that there were thirty thousand more Liverpool supporters inside the stadium. Now, the the sort of the feeling of the match going into it maybe wasn't as um as big or as nervous as it was for the home match, but everybody saw how intense the home game was. So I'm not, I'm not particularly sure that heading into that game without your, your Colossus at the back, your, your, we know we did a bit on Edison, didn't we last week about how, how insanely psychotic he is, but how important he is to City and, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm probably being uber harsh here, but that Stefan mistake felt like it was coming for a while. Um, the last few times I've seen him play, and, and I include in some of the recent US men's national team games here, it felt like there was a few shaky moments. And I don't know whether, and we don't know what's going on in his head. If he's, you, you mentioned there that you know the the, the mental fatigue, the, perhaps there's stuff elsewhere, and you are thrown into that that sort of cauldron. Like you said, he was thrown in with the wolves a little bit. It's it's always going to be difficult, and I just don't know. Given the fact that you know Jurgen Klopp played Allison, and he recognised the fact that for for Kelleher it wasn't the right moment, and obviously Zach Stefan is a lot more experienced than the nineteen year old. In retrospect, it's easy to say, but even beforehand, it did feel like for for one game, this could potentially be. A little bit of a mistake, and I don't know. I don't know if if Ed, the, the thing is Edison could have made that mistake. I mean, he very nearly did the week before, didn't he? Where it, it nearly it nearly happens
1: to him as well. In a handful of of City's cup runs in the past, who was in net? It's Claudio Bravo.
0: Yeah, yeah. When, when Edison was the know, starting
1: keeper, and does Edison make yeah. six saves in a penalty shootout? Maybe not. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's a very easy thing to criticize. In hindsight, um, the other thing is, I think this is kind of all about the discussion between Pep Guardiola, Ederson, and and Zach Stefan. If if at the beginning of the year, you know, Pep sits down with Zach Stefan and says, "You're my cup keeper. No matter how far we go in, in the yeah. Carabao Cup or in the FA Cup, you're going to be in between the sticks." <clears throat> I don't like the message that sends to to pull him. Um,
0: I agree I'd I like agree. to
1: go back and look at the 2018-19 season and my memory is escaping me but I know Ederson played in the FA Cup final did he also play in most of the games leading up to it do you remember um, um I'm
0: trying I think what was the was the, the backup keeper Murich at that point
1: yeah I remember um, him playing in some games but I don't yeah. know he. I don't think he played in the semi-final against Brighton was it
0: no, I don't. I think you're right there. So I think that was a little bit different because Miorich maybe wasn't as favoured and, yeah. and didn't necessarily play. He in also all had a lot game. of discipline
1: problems, didn't he? That maybe Pep yeah. didn't, didn't like. Yeah.
0: So there was definitely a, an edge there, wasn't there?
1: So I think it. This is kind of maybe all about the conversation that that they they had had. If if maybe Pep had said to him at the beginning of the season, "You're my cup keeper," but if we have you know a Manchester derby in a, in a final or a Liverpool in a final, whatever, yeah. then then. Um, the stakes are high enough that I'm going to bring Eddie in. But if he tells him at the beginning of the season, "You're my cupkeeper. You are playing no matter what," then I wouldn't like. And I know football is a brutal sport, but look, I'm a I'm an empathetic person. I would yeah. say we're both empathetic people. This is a, a very humanistic podcast. Um, I don't. I wouldn't like the message that that sends to then to then pull him just because it's it's a bigger game now.
0: Yeah, like I said, for me the overriding thing here and the reason that I wouldn't change it now and I wouldn't have changed it beforehand despite the sort of the feeling that the intensity of the game could get on the back of him was the fact that you have good goalkeepers in reserve because they get promised minutes and City are going to play a lot of games in cups usually so it's like you say to turn around and say no you're not playing unless for example like you say pre-season this hadn't been agreed and, and it was a case of it's a game by game basis, and and I suppose then in that case you 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 may be duping the blame on Guardiola. One one that I'm going back to uh, for a while ago, the first sort of time this issue popped up for me in terms of a city city point of view was the um, 2014 League Cup final when a lot of the talk pre game was. Does Pellegrini go for Joe Hart or does he go for Pantillamon? Pantillamon, I think it's not unfair to say he's not at the quality. Zach Steffan is and, and, you know, was a fantastic servant and, and City won that game. But he went for Pantillamon and City won the trophy. It's happened in the past before under Guardiola. Well, like you say, he's gone for Edison at times. He's gone for the cup goalkeeper in Bravo or even before that, Willy Caballero. It happens. It's it's a part of the game now. Clubs have big squads. They don't just have one goalkeeper. It, it, <laughs> And let's he not forget Zach,
1: Zach Steffen played in a cup final last year he, he, in yeah, the Carabao exactly. Cup. Yeah. And I know that that was, I think only 16,000 total fans in the stadium or maybe it was 8,000. It was split four and four, but, but yeah. still it's not like we're throwing a a kid into Wembley. Yeah. Uh, it's a guy that's played first division football in Germany. He's played, I know I'll get slaughtered for this, but he's played in the MLS. He's played yeah. in, in U S men's national teams in very, very intense environments in, in recently Mexico too and recently stuff like that. too and we're like we're talking 70,000 person stadiums that throw bottles of piss at you and stuff like that like the yeah. guy has played in red hot environments before not to the same maybe to the same uh, amount of stakes or or trophies on the line or anything like mm-hmm. that but uh, look in hindsight I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and change it now let's put it that way
0: yeah, I think we can we can leave it at that. Really, um, there'll be an inquest, I suppose, in the coming weeks, both internally and externally, about where that second goalkeeper spot goes. Because there are a few waiting in the wings. Obviously, Gavin Bazanou, who's who's done fantastic at Portsmouth, and I believe he's up for he's up he's up for an award in League One. I don't know if it's goalkeeper of the year or, or even player of the year. Also in that division, James Trafford, who who started the season at Quinton Stanley, I think he's now at Bolton. They're both two good players. They're also very young, so it'd be interesting to see the route City take there and whether or not they look to offload Zach Steffen. But if it is if it is to be the case, then he's been a fantastic servant. He's he's won City's trophies. He's he's taken medals, you know, both in the league and in and in cup competitions. I just hope he's okay. To be honest, that that's all I think Mm -hmm. we can say at this point. Um, Okay, time's getting on a little bit, so we'll, we'll we'll speed this up. But Brighton then. Here's where I believe will be the test of time on whether those weary legs that some believe should have played 90 minutes on Saturday will be somewhat rested and energised for what I think is going to be a tough game. I don't think I'm going to surprise anyone who's been listening for a while, given my often pessimistic outlooks at at sort of regular mid-table fixtures, but... I'm really not looking forward to to the game on Wednesday. Not not necessarily saying it will be a bad result, you know, if I'm if I've got a gun to my head, I'll probably say City do get a, get a victory, but I just fear it could be a really scrappy match.
1: I think it could go one of two ways. It's going to be scrappy and tight and I think that that could be consistent for the rest of the season. Um we saw that in 2018-19 when That was another city team that could have scored 10 goals a game with the the level of talent they had. But there was a lot of 1-0s in that run-in to to winning the title on the final day. So I think just the intensity level now of the rest of the season and how much is on the line, every game from here on out is going to be scrappy and nervy and tight. Um, But the city players that needed rest got their rest. Hopefully they come back rejuvenated and we see close to a full-strength 11 on Wednesday. And look, Brighton are, are in great form. They've won two straight games in North London. Um, but it's a game that you should be winning. City have never lost to Brighton in the Premier League era. Pep has never lost to Brighton at home. Or they, Sorry, at, at home. They've lost once. Uh, yeah, yeah. once at Brighton, but Pep's never lost to them in the Premier League era at home. It's a game you should be winning. It's a great game to to have off the back of this really intense couple of couple of weeks and to kind of get your, your legs under you again. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it. I rarely look forward to games these days. Um, but I'm looking forward to kind of erasing the weekend's, um, disappointment and, and getting things back on track. Yeah, you
0: mentioned that uh, Brighton have had back-to-back away games and won both against Champions League contenders Arsenal and Tottenham. Um, they definitely have the, the tools in the armoury to hurt teams. I know they've been on a little bit of a dip post sort of the new year and, and there was a, a sort of shout that they may squeeze into a European spot. That hasn't happened. They've slipped down the table, but they, they really are starting to pick up and Graham Potter is a fantastic manager. The one thing I think is, is offering me some comfort heading into it is the fact that that Liverpool game City were prodded with a stick and when you prod City with a stick they usually turn around and bite your hand off and you know the the reaction is is typically strong and it's typically the the first 10 minutes of that that game will really tell us a lot about the mentality of this City team heading into the into the running um the threat of Brighton does worry me somewhat and like you say, it is gonna go one of two ways really, isn't it? It's gonna be a comfortable city, run of the mill, 3 0 victory where, you know, two nil up at half time, rotated legs and we get the job done and the sort of the stadium's quite tranquil. It's like a like a you know, like a, a meditation retreat at times, you know, it's not gonna be a raucous atmosphere. But if you get into twenty-five minutes or so and there's there's no goals, there's not so much as a chance, I can imagine given what we've seen on Saturday it could start to get a little bit nervy inside the Etihad. And I don't necessarily think the players will be as confident as they would have been had they got a result against Liverpool at the weekend.
1: Yeah, I I think you're spot on. I think it could get a bit nervy if it's one of those games where City don't look like they're creating much or they're just kind of passing the ball around in a circle and and not probing enough or, or whatever. Um, but just a couple of things to consider here is this team has done so well in recent years three or four years now they've been so good at responding in the face of adversity in the face of big yeah. defeats just this season just to, to rattle off a few figures here you know city lost to tottenham 1-0 in the opening day of the premier league they then went on to win four straight games by a combined score of 17-3. Um, they lost 2-0 in Paris to PSG in September. They then went on to win three of their next four by a combined score of 11-2. The only uh, the only game in there that they didn't win was the 2-2 draw at Anfield. Um, they then lost 2-0 at home to Palace in October. They went on to win 15 of their next 16 by a combined <laughs> score of 50-10. The only, the only game... That they didn't win in those 16 was a 2-1 loss in Leipzig in an empty stadium when, yeah. when the the group standings had already been decided. And I think the only loss after that has been the home loss to Tottenham in which uh, the Liverpool game at the weekend was the first loss since that Tottenham loss. So yeah. this team is so good at responding after big defeats. And I don't think the next couple of weeks will be any different. I know that there was a lot of talk before and after the game that a big Liverpool win could shake city's mentality could could kind of knock them off of their their stride a little bit and and get into their heads i don't see that happening at all you look at the mentality of some of these players like like John Stones, Ruben Diaz, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva. Mm. These guys have been here before. They've done it. They've had Liverpool breathing down their necks before. Liverpool L- Liverpool accumulated 97 points. In 2018-19. They didn't win the league because City didn't buckle. Yeah. So I am typically not a huge optimist when it comes to football. I was a City fan somehow on earth in this weird country over here. I was a City fan before the success came. So I've got a little bit of that in me where the going into these games where City should be winning is when I'm the least confident. Um, So... I'm actually going to take the optimistic route here and say that that city has proven time and time again that they don't tend to buckle in these situations.
0: Let's just hope at halftime you're not slamming the door behind you and, and <laughs> going to get uh, going to get donuts and coffee because uh, I know what you mean. I, to be honest, I, I do. I am thankful it's a midweek game because sometimes when City have been on the end of a defeat you all almost want the game to come the next day because you were Mm. expecting you back the team to bounce back. So we'll wait and see. I don't think there's any point really in trying to second-guess the team at this point, is there because who knows who's going to turn up? Uh, One positive, though, that I don't think we've, Perhaps covered so far is the fact De Bruyne was on the bench, and it felt like in that Atletico melee. Given what went on before, it sort of went amiss a little bit, and, and the fact that we could have been without De Bruyne for the running. It seems, given the warm up he was doing as well, I think on Saturday it, it looks that the, the TV cameras were obsessively panning over to him. Never got on the pitch, but it looked like he was in a a strenuous uh, warm up, and you know, like it wasn't a case of him looking like he was taking it easy. Obviously he's got an injury record and that isn't something that you want to risk, but every chance we could see him. But do you think there's any, any sort of real I say this, Zach Stefan probably starts up front now, doesn't he? But do you think there's any sort of real shocks we can expect or any sort of real talking points heading into it about team selection, or do you reckon it will just be similar to what we saw on Saturday, but some of those big names coming back in?
1: I think we'll see closer to the to the starting eleven, the best starting eleven. Um Especially when you consider the fact that a week from what I can't remember if we play on the Tuesday or the Wednesday in the first leg against Real Madrid, I think it's the Tuesday. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too but sure. either way, the, the fact that you when you consider that a week down the line, we play Real Madrid in the first leg of, of a Champions League semifinal, I think we're probably going to see more of the lineup that Pep wants to play in that game against Madrid against Brighton and then Watford will probably have a more rotated team because it's closer to that game so I think the only places with a little bit of question mark is those three injuries the De Bruyne injury um Kyle Walker and Ilkay Gundogan who we didn't really realize that Gundogan was injured I think until Pep said something after the game against Liverpool on Saturday um But we'll see kind of what their fitness levels are. I actually don't expect Kyle Walker to play. I think his injury was a bit more serious than the other two. De Bruyne maybe doesn't start. He maybe gets 30 minutes, something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you're going to see Rodri coming back into the team, Laporte coming back into the team. Uh, We'll probably see close to the best front three, Amarez, Foden, Grealish, or Sterling front three. Um, So... Yeah, I think we'll probably see close to the best 11. The other question mark is Ruben Diaz's fitness level. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people expected him to get some minutes against Liverpool. I did. Um, does he play 90 minutes? Can, can he? Are his fitness levels to a point where the kind of minutes that he needs is a full run out in a game, or yeah. does he need to be trickled back in with maybe... With maybe sixty minutes or thirty against Brighton and, and sixty against Watford, and then he's get good to go for Madrid. So I think that will be an interested, interesting talking point how Pep deals with that.
0: I know it's it's easy to forget really how long he's he's been out, but it was the first half of that Peterborough game, which was it was well for for context, it was two FA Cup rounds ago, which uh, sort of gives you a, a decent timescale, doesn't it? I think it was I think it was the first of March. It was the day before my birthday, so he has been out for now close to two months by the time he gets back in a month and a half, really. So making sure that injury isn't aggravated going into the final stretch is going to be really important. Um, I think we've covered everything to do with the men's team. Before we bounce then, it'd be rude not to give a shout out to the the women's team for another FA Cup semi-final that they were involved in. Thankfully, it was a much more successful one. They saw off West Ham women by a 4-1 scoreline on Saturday afternoon. Ellen White scored a brace from Lauren Hemp as well, and then a lovely moment for Chloe Kelly, who scored on her first goal since returning from an ACL injury that kept her out for the best part of a year. That's now four FA Cup finals in the six last six seasons for City Women, so it, it's a fantastic season they're having after given given the injury problems they had beforehand. And finally, just ending it on a bit of a sour note. Really, there was obviously the the issue with the minute silence and the in the Hillsborough. I Minute mean, silence before the game we didn't really touch in it, but I just think it goes without saying that stuff isn't really necessary it isn't really wanted it isn't really needed, and it was just it set the tone, really didn't it for the day, and we'll end on that 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 was just not acceptable at all but um. Adam, pleasure once again. I, I definitely feel a little bit more optimistic heading into that Wednesday game against Brighton. I don't know whether or not this COVID would have shaken off, and I'll be at the Etihad. But yeah, it's been it's been fun to let out all of the the trauma and and once again look forward to football matches on the way.
1: Yeah, I think if this podcast has done anything, it's been a great source of therapy each week. Yeah. Yeah. Because typically I would just be shouting all of this stuff at my girlfriend on the phone <laughs> when she gets off work. So, um, yeah, this is this has been great. It was great talking to you. We uh we will be back who knows, maybe later this week or maybe later yeah. uh, next week, but either way, more big games on the horizon. So, these these episodes will still be coming thick and fast.
0: Yeah, definitely. We got out of that, that sort of deadly four-game spell that we were all dreading, only to be met with even more consequential matches down the line. Um like I said, thank you very much for listening. As always, if you can leave a rating and a review, that will be fantastic. It really, really, really helps us out. Hit follow and subscribe if you haven't already. Which, if you're a regular listening, what are you doing? If you've not done that already, come on! We're episode twelve now. We're approaching the the sort of the fifteen mark, the twenty mark. So we're, we're getting down the line. Um, other than that give us a shout on twitter if you've got anything to ask us like i said football or non-football related we'll do our very best i have been amos murphy i've been adam booker until next time thank you very much for listening see you later make sure you're geared up for man city's end of season running with mcdelivery great food delivered right to your door By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?